Hello everyone, thank you so much for clicking on yet another episode of Pages from My Notebook, a True to Life podcast. On this episode of The Stan Account, we're going to be recapping, reviewing episode four of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I'm calling, Where Do We Go From Here? Because how do you recover from this ending? <laughs> like, Bootleg Steve, it's a wrap for you. Done. Finished. Pack it up. <laughs> Before I go off on him, because y'all know how I feel about that man. We don't like him. <laughs> Get ready to go over the episode and keep on listening. Previously on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Bootleg Steve and his little friend Lamar have basically flopped. Um, they failed at what they were sent there to do because nobody's touching Steve Rogers and that's on period. One of them says, let's bet on someone who has a better hand, aka let's bite off what Sam and them are doing because obviously they know more than us because they're the superior duo. Anyway, (laughs) Sam tells us that Carly has been providing food and medicine to people in the camps instead of just turning everyone into super soldiers, which was her goal. And so she's creating loyalty and a following. So the Flag Smashers mission is greater than just this singular group that's traveling around causing chaos and being messy. And also at the end of episode three, we're left on a cliffhanger where Bucky is confronted by a member of the Dora Milaje from Wakanda and they've come for their things. They've come to collect the white man (laughs) that committed atrocities against their great nation. And that's where they left us. So episode four opens in Wakanda six years ago. We're in the forest and we see Bucky and the member of the Dora Milaje, whose name is Ayo. They're in this forest. There's all these fires going on. And we know from Infinity War and Endgame that Bucky was chilling in Wakanda. He was getting the help that he needed, a new arm, looking sexy in the black and gold. You know, he was getting beefed up, learning how to corn grow and herding the goats in the fields. But he was there for the greater purpose, which was deprogramming all of the Hydra assassin things within his brain and getting to be free and the person he was meant to be and discovering who that is. So we see them in this like freeing ritual. Bucky has his struggle wig on. (laughs) It has been washed in a while. It's a little stringy. There's some heat damage. So he's going through it when he has the long, (laughs) when he has the longer hair. So in this ritual, we have Ayo. She starts to say Bucky's trigger words that were his as the Winter Soldier. But before this, Bucky is saying, I'm not sure this is going to work. I don't want to hurt anybody. And Ayo's like, I won't let you hurt anyone. So we can assume that this is part of his healing process that they've been working on over his time in Wakanda. So I'll start saying Bucky's trigger words and it's giving very much, it's giving very much therapy session. Black women are just good at everything and especially black women therapists. There's nothing like it. And I feel like this is exactly what Bucky needed. I wish we would have like footage or a short or something of Bucky's time in Wakanda because I feel like that would help us more. I know we're picking up where we left off with everything in therapy and whatnot, but I want to know what the time in Wakanda was like and how he gets back to starting therapy and his real life. But here Sebastian is coming for his Emmy because look at this man's face. 
In his role, he does crying and emotion very, very well. And we see that here because Bucky is hearing these words that for 80 years have been commands for him to murder innocent people and commit all of these atrocities. And finally, looking at this fire and reflecting back on all of the bad things he's done. And I think it's especially poignant that the flashback we see him have is of him killing Tony's parents because that was a huge catalytic event in, you know, Avengers lore within the MCU and how that's such a big thing that he still carries with him because that affects why Steve, you know, went on the run for him and everything with Civil War and Tony creating Ultron and them fighting and all of these different things. So I thought that was interesting. They chose that one out of all of the murders, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But he's having these flashbacks and he's shaking and he's crying, but he's not reverting to how he used to be as a winter soldier. And at the conclusion of Io saying all of his trigger words, she says, you are free in her wonderful Wakandan accent, which I will not try to emulate because I feel that that's disrespectful. But out of all the tears, we see Bucky smile and look up at her and Realize that he is free. There is no more Hydra within him. They no longer have a hold over his life and the possibilities that he has for himself. And after we see Bucky be freed, we're taken back to the current moment, which is Bucky and Isle standing face to face and coming to terms with Bucky's, I guess, sort of betrayal against the Wakandan people after all that they did for him, which is what Io was saying. How could you free Zemo, who was the one that staged the bombing at the UN that killed King T'Chaka and then framed, who did, who did he frame for that? He framed somebody and that caused all this stuff to go down. But they're like, how could you after all of the time and resources that we put into deprogramming you? And of course, through all that time, they had to develop some sort of friendly or familial relationship, Bucky, with not only Io and Shuri, but so many Wakandan people and why he's known as the White Wolf. So in this conversation, Bucky's like, I understand that what I'm doing seems wrong, but you got to hear me out. And she's like, you understand very little, if anything, of the loss and the shame that we feel at what you've done. And again, Black women, they do everything extraordinarily. So when they're disappointed in you, that's another level of hurt. <laughs> like, like, if I was buggy, I would be down bad. Like, wow. Really rethinking my life and my priorities. But at this point, it is what it is. Bucky has to upset some people for the greater good, which I guess. Ayo says they have eight hours to get what they need done with Zemo. And then they're coming for him. Because it's the least they can do. He killed their king and they helped Bucky out. So it's an eye for an eye. We, we need some reparations. So in the next scene, Bucky goes back to Zemo's hideaway, second home, whatever. And they're learning that Carly did the bombing that we saw at the end of episode three. Which at that point watching it, I was like, this seems kind of random. And in the car, she's saying... This is the only language these people understand. But now she was saying, I had to blow them up because the U.S. government only understands violence as taking a cause seriously. So it's like, wow, she is really not playing. And it's kind of confusing because she's trying to help people, but also saying 
F the government and what you're doing, but then becoming an enemy of the state. Like, I, mm, I'm not sure if that's the way <laughs> to go about this. Because as we learn further in this episode, her intentions aren't bad. And they have this conversation, actually, between Zemo and Sam and everything. So we learn from the news that's saying that Carly did the bombing is that the Flag Smashers have demands that they want met or they'll keep blowing stuff up until they get it. And based on this, as a supervillain himself, <laughs> Zemo is saying at this point Carly is radicalized. If she had any moral intentions for doing this, they're gone now because she's taken the serum and serums breed supremacy and people that become dictators and can't be taken down and are seen as these untouchable figures and Zemo thinks she's beyond reform and the only way out of this is if she dies or the people fighting her die and Sam is saying there has to be a peaceful resolution somehow she's just a kid who has had everything taken from her and so there has to be a way to talk her out of this and talk her down from this because she doesn't have the evil motivations that villains have. Like compared to Zemo whose home country was destroyed by the Avengers and Ultron who is a product of super technology and supremacy, he made a plan to destroy the Avengers from the inside out and was then <laughs> gonna like ruin their lives. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to do a parallel but I'm realizing that it's not it's kind of similar, but not really. <laughs> so Zemo was basically being petty and getting back at the Avengers by causing mess because they destroyed his entire life. And Carly is like, we're going to create this army to take down the government that's trying to reimpose these borders that made my life worse. So it's not really the same, but it is, but it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> take what you will from that comparison. We're just going to move on. This conversation that they're having shows the difference in Sam and how he's the hero that we've needed this entire time because Zemo and Bucky they're the type of fighters that only know one extreme or the other there is no talking there is no compromise it's just good versus evil and for one side to win they have to do whatever it takes which is usually death and destruction and Zemo is saying as someone who has researched this and was a part actively a part of People using the serum to create super soldiers, aka Bucky, are I guess super assassins and doing these evil things, which is saying, he's saying that the desire to become a superhuman can't be separated from supremacist ideals because no human needs to be that superior to others in physical stature and power if they don't have nefarious reasons to do it. Because there are so many leaders and people in power who do it correctly and aren't super soldiers and they're not out here just to gain power for themselves or for some greater organization, which in the Marvel Universe is always just one or two evil people who create these things to get the power back to themselves. And we see that here again with the power broker who is playing all these people like a puppet. And Zemo gives examples of this so we see that with nazis hitler ultron which was tony's tech gone a wall and even the avengers their creation of a superhero team of essentially <laughs> mutated people who 
in trying to defeat these evil supremacist powers, have become sort of supremacists themselves over the civilians, their lives that they upend. You know, they destroy New York every other week (laughs) and people's insurance can't handle it. (laughs) He's saying the greater message of this is that people will never sit right with others being able to be superhuman and that there's always going to be power imbalances there that create opportunity for evil to be afoot. And Bucky is saying, well, wait a minute now, because I'm one of the people who have the serum in me and I wasn't evil on purpose. He was a pawn by the supremacist people, which kind of proves Zemo's point even more. But Bucky is saying the serum never corrupted Steve. And Zemo's like, okay, you got me there. But he's like, there's never been another Steve Rogers has there. And hasn't? Absolutely not. Not the one bootleg running around here thinking like he owns the place, carrying the shield like he earned it. Absolutely not. But I love that line also because Steve is the one who's carried us here in the first place, right? He's been a major player in almost all of these movies. And this whole thing started with them trying to figure out what to do with his legacy. This whole series is what would Steve Rogers do with the shield? What made him such a great carrier of it? And even though he had his moments of debating what it stood for, he was always a representation of the good guys, the the light at the end of the tunnel, the hope in the face of evil, the guy that never ran away from a fight that hated bullies, you know? And I think that That also adds to the discussion of should the serum exist at all because it created super people like Steve, but it also creates super problems. With their fighting styles, Bucky, he is on the side with Sam because they're (laughs) partners whether they want to believe it or not, but he's wanting to believe that there's another way, just like Sam is saying, and Bucky has been believing this for so many years. That's why he joined the war as you did in the 40s because you wanted to defeat these evil powers you knew that the good guys are going to win and this is what he's always sort of wanted to fight for and is what he has left to cling to because even after all of this crazy intergalactic shit that he's been through in his life even with the hard stuff the good guys have always won so there has to be another way as opposed to what they've been doing already this entire time We have Sam, who is trying to rationalize the situation and look at Carly as a person, which we don't usually do with our villains because they're basically beyond repair by the time that we get to them. There are some moments, you know, villains always have their evil speeches with their origin story and moments of humanity. But with Carly, we see that more. I think the show could have given a little more time to develop their humanity because it is sort of just like these are people that were displaced and they got into some hard times and they had to start dealing in illegal stuff but it seems like our villains could have been anybody and the character of Carly and the Flag Smashers are just sort of like any people they're not like Zemo who had a direct correlation with what the Avengers did and that's why he became a villain that might also help the character because it is showing that In a larger context, the government is doing these things that affect everyday people and they don't think about it. They're just thinking about the powers at hand, the money, whatever. And so Sam, he's a people person. He was saying 
well, it's canon that he was a, that he was a therapist for for veterans. And so he has the experience of getting to know who a person is, why they're doing what they're doing and how their trauma has affected them. And Carly is a young girl who is very clearly traumatized by the loss of everything she's ever known, even before the snap. So having all of this stuff happen has to, it, it makes sense. It is an origin story, but again, it's not unique to her. Towards the end of the scene, they're trying to figure out how to get to Carly so they can try Sam's method to talk to her. And they learn from Nagel that the matriarch of their GRC camp, Donya, has passed away so they know that her funeral is taking place and <laughs> this is where the black riders get their hand claps because sam is like yeah well my tt passed away and all the caucasians are like you're what and sam's like my aunt <laughs> it just warms my heart my little negro heart to hear our references <laughs> like this So the GRC has responded to the Flag Smashers bombing of one of their warehouses with the Patch Act. So this is essentially to close the borders again and return to quote unquote normalcy, which is each nation having its own rules and separate resources, which were dissolved after the snap because there was half the planet gone and so many houses empty and jobs open. So all the borders were opened and everybody was going wherever they needed to get whatever they needed. And I think the Flag Smashers kind of shot themselves in the foot with the bombing because they're trying to look big and bad and not to be messed with. And then the government responded by like voting on something that like they didn't want to happen. So I feel like their their methods are skewed at this point. And that also supports Zemo's point that they're radicalized and getting ahead of themselves and forgetting why they're doing what they're doing. And they're just like Bucky said, or somebody said it, but her, you know, Nate, yeah, Bucky said that her means aren't really justifying her ends. She's getting, she's getting lost in the sauce, in the serum, if you will. <laughs> Our trio, Sam, Bucky, and Zemo, they're in the camp. They're asking for Donya to figure out who she is, where her funeral is going to be. And they split up, but nobody is really talking to them. And in one area, we see Sam talking to a teacher um, one in the camp. And he was saying that instead of referring to them as refugees, they're displaced persons because this is their home. This is where they're from. They're not needing refuge from anything. The government just needs to come and help them. And he's saying that they promised more teachers and supplies and it's been six months and they haven't been delivered. And we see Sam take this in and learn about the environment that he's stepping in and that understanding why Carly is being successful and why the Flag Smashers are popular worldwide because everybody is going through it. Everybody needs help and that's what she's providing. But back outside in the courtyard, Zemo, he has the candy, the Turkish delight that he had in the earlier scene. And he's singing some song, which I I didn't really understand or like appreciate because it was, was kind of creepy given the whole background music and like tone. But it worked. He gave the kids candy to tell him where Donya's funeral was going to be, saying that he was an old friend. So Zemo, he got, he got tricks up his sleeve, whatever. And he tells the kids... He points to Sam and Bucky and says that they're not to be trusted and that they're bad people. 
which doesn't come to fruition in the end of the episode, but it's also showing that Zemo is not fully, is not a fully redeemed villain. So even though he's helping the good guys, he still is going to make sure that he's okay at the end of the day, because he's not trying to go back to jail in any capacity. He said, we outside, so I'm gonna be outside. <laughs> After they're in the courtyard trying to get information from everybody around there, they go back to Zemo's hiding place and so Zemo, he got the information of when the funeral was going to be and where it is, but he's not telling Sam and Bucky because he's thinking that once they get the information, they'll just turn him in and he's going to go back to jail and he doesn't get anything out of it, which is fair. <laughs> not a, not an unreasonable assumption. He's saying, yeah, right. I'm not going to tell you. And Bucky is like, excuse me and Zemo had a cup of tea Bucky takes it throws it across the room very dramatic I'm assuming that that was expensive and somebody's gonna have to clean that up meanwhile Sam calls Sharon for backup because she has all the connections and he did obviously promise her a pardon if she helped them out so with all of her art dealer quote-unquote money she has eyes on bootleg Steve and them and helps them out in the remainder of the episode so now we learn that Carly is basically who everyone is going after because she's the only known person who has a supply of the serum left and Nagel is dead so he can't recreate it. The power broker needs it for their purposes and so everyone is trying to get at Carly and get at each other to try and get this serum back and into the right hands but we don't really know who the right hands are or why the serum needs to exist from Zemo's point of view because it's leading to all this turmoil. We're now taken to Carly and another Flag Smasher. I forget his name. Do they all have names? Girl, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so they're basically uncovering a serum supply that they've hidden in this grave site. I don't know if this is the only supply that they have because I think it was mentioned earlier that they had 20 vials that Nagel made and that was it. But then I don't know if what they were moving in the trucks in the first episode was also serum. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I missed that. Somebody let me know. But the guy that's talking to Carly, they're like, they're thinking, are we making a mistake making or intending to create more super soldiers. And they have this whole conversation about what the serum means and what the shield means. And this guy thinks that Carly represents really what Captain America should have stood for, which was the good guys who inspire hope and tell people that there are good people left in the world. And he's saying that, especially now, she is one of the people she was left behind. She understands pain and she looks like the people that don't have what they need and get ignored by the government and get trodden on. But Carly is saying, basically, F all that. The shield represents old, old shit that, does, that isn't relevant anymore. A world that does not exist any longer. It's a bygone era and it represents the people that have always been left out. So poor people, any other marginalized group. Creating new super soldiers who have this mission of one world, one people, getting rid of borders. What they're doing is going to outlast a shield, which is just this old, 
memorabilia piece of a time where so many people weren't actually protected by it. And she says that the shield should be destroyed and that the serum is the thing that's going to make change. And here I think this is interesting because the shield has been a center of controversy this whole series. That's the beginning of it. What, Who has the shield? Whose hands is it in? What does it represent now that Steve is gone? Can it represent the same thing depending on who carries it? And we see the difference in how Bootleg Steve carries the shield and <laughs> and girl, how he uses it at the end of this episode. But <laughs> I think it's interesting because if you think about it, the shield wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be a symbol if the serum wasn't used. If Steve was never Captain America, if, oh, what is the name of the original doctor that made it? I don't remember. But if Steve had never taken it and had never needed the shield, the shield itself wouldn't mean anything. So really, the serum give shield meaning and if she's saying that the serum makes change how hasn't the shield how has the shield become the symbol of of i don't know the word but the shield has become the symbol of of like she said something in the past something that was never truly representative of everybody but the serum is but we see in people that have the serum Versus not that it's the person inside is just amplified by it. I'm just saying I'm talking in circles. I don't really have a point here, but I'm trying to connect the dots between the meaning of the shield and the serum and how they're essentially interconnected and that the serum has more weight. And that essentially both the shield and the serum are just amplifying and supporting the person who holds them and this also foreshadows to the end of the episode because girl girl both of these things just uh, ah, uh, (laughs) they make everything worse they make everything worse so in the next scene everyone is heading to donya's funeral And bootleg Steve and his little friend roll up on Sam, Bucky, and Zemo. And, of course, in bootleg Steve fashion, he running in like he pay bills, like he owns something. And he's just yelling at them. It's like, okay, you can't keep us in the dark anymore. We have to work together. Uh, uh." Shut up. Just admit that you couldn't catch her on your own, so now you need help. And you just mad. Because everybody knows that you don't deserve the shield. And nobody's trying to help you y'all anyway but (laughs) bootleg steve is like you can't keep us in the dark you have to let us know because we're all fighting for the same cause but not even really fully truly because bootleg steve is trying to be just this heroic figure without actually having the morals that a hero should maintain especially one to the caliber of steve rogers who he's trying to emulate so badly And here it's just besties versus besties (laughs) fighting about working together. And they're arguing about what is the best method to approach Carly with. So Sam is the voice of reason here, my baby, the ultimate hero, and is saying, I know how to work with her. I have the counseling experience. I can do this. I work with veterans. And Bootleg Steve before this is saying, You can't go in there alone because she's armed and dangerous, which is, again, 
proving her point that the government doesn't care about people because while they are dangerous, yes, <laughs> if they thought about them as people who just needed help, they wouldn't have had to turn to these violent means, which are a bit dramatic and unnecessary. But for the purpose of our show, we need to have villains who do bad things. And so Sam is saying, if I go in alone, I can talk her. I can talk to her and come out of this peacefully. And Bootleg Steve is saying, but if you go in alone and she's dangerous, then you die. And then Sam is saying, but if we go in with a bunch of people, then more civilians get hurt. And when Sam says that he has counseling experience dealing with veterans and people with trauma, we zoom in on Bootleg Steve's little friend, Lamar, who looks down. And we learn later in the episode, I think it might have been touched on before, but that they were both in Afghanistan, I think, together, and they had been through some really traumatizing stuff. And so Lamar is saying, he's right, we got to go with Sam's plan. I said, come on, black people. All right, Lamar, you, you're redeeming yourself to me because you're not, <laughs> you're not like bootleg Steve, even though you don't stand up to him. He did good in this moment. But also here... It's just funny to me that Bootleg Steve is just walking with the shield all out like the Flag Smashers can't see them and like plan something if they went in all hot and crazy. Like he's not thinking. The cognitive, it's not, it's not clicking. They're just walking around with it. No plan, just trying to act like he big and bad. But anyway, so they get to the area where the funeral is being held and Sam goes in and he's watching it from like above and Bootleg Steve handcuffs Zemo to this door safe thing and it, it's big a cab energy that's all I'm gonna say about that <laughs> in the scene at Donya's funeral we see everybody in the camp gather around her I'm not sure what like cultural significance that is of her being covered with the sheet and the flowers and the candles kind of like Snow White but it serves the purpose. Everyone's cool with it. So Carly is speaking and she's talking about her entire life. She's never known any family besides Donya who took her in and fed her and loved her. And this is another humanizing moment for our villain. But at this point, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of too late because she's already bombed a bunch of people in like the name of trying to help. But uh, like we understand it, but it's not right. It's not right and it's not okay, word to Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) So as Carly is giving her speech about never knowing love and family until Donya, who took care of most people in the camp, which is like Sam was saying with his TT, she was like the auntie, the grandma, who who took care of everybody. She looks up and sees Sam from the balcony. And she's basically saying that Donya brought us all together, people from all over the place. And that our struggles are what make us alike, and that's what unite us and bring us together. And to not forget that we've all been the, we've all been through this shared experience, so we have this connection and this bond that other people can't really understand. And we have to fight and protect each other. So after everyone clears out from the funeral, Sam comes down to talk to Carly and. I I just love Anthony Mackie for the obvious reasons, but here in his characterization, he just seems, he's so instantly like warm and friendly and I just know he smells good. Y'all know, just black man just, oh, chef's kiss. But, <laughs> but just his aura in this scene, 
his aura in this scene was very calming. And we see him put his counselor understanding hat on. And he's saying to Carly, you know, I understand loss. I know what you've been through. I understand feeling like the outsider being the opposite of what America and these countries ideals stand for. Hello, what he's been grappling with, with learning about Isaiah and carrying the shield itself and why he gave it up in the first place. The weight of being a black man representing America, a country that has never, ever from before its inception thought of black people as even human you know, worthy of protection. So he's understanding all of these different things and losing things and fighting for these causes and you sort of lose sight of the original purpose. And Carly is saying, well, at this point I have to do what I have to do. I have to kill who I have to kill. And Sam is saying, well, she's saying I have to kill who I have to kill to make the world better. And Sam is saying, if you're killing people, it's not better. It's just different. And she's like, you got me there. <laughs> and she says, you're either hopelessly optimistic or naive. And Sam's like, no, just experienced and providing her another option from this. But as our villain, she's, she's seen too much. She's done too much and sacrificed so much. She's lost. She's never really had anything. So now to sacrifice other people, it's really nothing because they've taken from her. So why not? take from them and outside of the scene where Sam is doing well and talking to her and they're having this good heart-to-heart Bootleg Steve is out here pacing and twitching and like just angry that he's not the one saving the day and he's about to mess it all up and barge in there pacing with the shield saying we need to go in and arrest her or whatever and Bucky is like I you don't want to do that big fella you got a little too much dip on your chip let's back it up let's put something down Let's, <laughs> let's let's take some deep breaths. Let's chill out. And Bootleg Steve gets his manipulative face on with his little helmet thing. And he's saying, if Sam, if, some, if something goes left and Sam is killed by Carly or the other Flag Smashers, do you want to have his blood on your hands if things go wrong? And Bootleg Steve don't care about Bucky or, or his feelings or what happens to Sam even. But he, they're both soldiers, and they both know what it's like to go through shit and see your partner down. We see Bucky sort of think about this. Like, it changes his jaw, twitches, whatever. But he has stayed firm in his resolve up until a certain point. So we go back in, and Sam and Carly are talking about how the corporations are the ones who are prolonging this and trying to separate people again and not helping them. And she's saying fighting to end corporations and borders, which is what this whole thing is about. You know, she's like, you know, killing some people, they're just, they're just little roadblocks, you know, just gotta roll right over them. That's fine. And Sam is like, well, let, let's think about it now. All right. If we're killing people and your goal is to help people, what what is the difference and here we have carly's like morality around killing people because she's like these people are evil and in my way so they deserve to die but sam is like everyone is worthy of reform but she's like mm, i don't know about that <laughs> and she wants to create more super soldiers to help her cause which i'm not really sure like how that's 
working because she's just been distributing supplies and stuff. So why why does everyone need to be super? Because y'all just be like jumping really high. I That part, I don't really understand. I guess it goes back to that idea of supremacy by creating these people who are unique in this way and have this thing in their veins that makes them better, that they have more power over the systems that have historically had power over them. And Carly is saying this to Sam. It's like, why are you fighting me who's trying to help you? Who's fighting against the people that want to take things away from you? And we see that back in the first two episodes where Sam was at the bank with Sarah and they're not trying to have it even though Sam didn't exist and there was no way he could get money to help the business. It's just these examples of this country not really fighting for him and she's trying to appeal to him and be like, can't you see where I'm coming from? And Sam agrees and says, I agree with your fight, but not the way you're fighting it. And here we almost have it. We see Carly, like, in her eyes, it starts to click and she sees it. And then bootleg Steve done fucked up the thing in my funky Dineva voice. <laughs> he comes barging in. You're under arrest, Carly Morgenthau. You're under arrest. We've had enough time to talk here, bro. No, they have not. He literally just got to the... He literally was so close. She she could have... Maybe they had another few hours, got some food. We could have came to a resolution, but no. Bootleg Steve wanted to come in with his cop energy and try and save the day because he's been feeling inadequate his whole life. And he comes and fucks up the thing. So Carly is like... Nah, well, I'm not going out like this. She thinks Sam betrayed her, trying to get close to her and then waiting for his friends to come in. And it's just, ugh, you fucked up the thing. Oh my gosh, I hate that. That's my least favorite trope when the hero's like so close to saving something and then something comes in at the last minute and they have to start over. I really, I really hate that. After that happens, Carly, she starts kicking and she does this like super jump thing up the stairs and Bucky does the same, which looks kind of funny <laughs> to me. Like you don't see them like hop, leap off of something. It just looks like they start flying. <laughs> um, maybe that's just special effects. I don't know. Disney got the budget. Or maybe it's just me thinking that. But Bucky follows Carly. Demo disappears. Sam is trying to find everybody. And, you know, everybody is kung fu fighting. Um, in their various scenes trying to run around and Carly goes into this room she's in hiding and out of the shadows is Zemo with that thing on him he shoots her in the stomach I think or like the side she flips over a table the pack with the serum in it just falls down which why was it in a room unprotected unguarded that that didn't make sense I guess it worked for the plot development so the serum rolls on the ground. Zemo is still shooting at her where she's like, no, <laughs> he's actively shooting at her saying, shut the hell up. So Zemo, he picks up the serum vial. He throws one on the ground, stomps on all but one of them. And the bootleg Steve comes in, throws the shield like a boomerang, hits Zemo in the head. He's out. And Carly runs away with the other Flag Smasher dude. Um who is still, she's still limping that she got shot, but like, I guess I'm thinking of like the super serum as in 
like on Teen Wolf when they get hurt, like everything just heals instantly, but it's not like that because they're still humans and the werewolves are not, but that's a different, <laughs> it's a different universe of things. But at the end of the scene, we see Bootleg Steve pick up the last remaining vial of the serum and put it in his little bootleg pocket. Bucky and Steve come in and they're like, what do we miss? <laughs> and that's the end of that scene. Oh my gosh, it feels like these episodes are so long because they are, but they're so short because they leave you on a cliffhanger. But <laughs> we're still going in episode four. So Carly and the other Flag Smashers have gone to this balcony. And at this point, everybody has gone home because Zemo got knocked the fuck out. Carly got shot. So at this point, nobody is really trying to fight anymore. And she's saying that they waited too long to do what they were trying to do with the serum, I guess. Which, again, why? They only had 20 vials of it. So were they going to like give like pieces, like bits of it to different people or like choose 20 people to join them? I Or like try and figure out how to, how to, how to remake it i don't know i'm maybe i missed it <laughs> i'm confused um so they're saying that now with everybody after them you know sam bucky zemo bootleg steve then carly gets a text from the power broker who was like you you got too much dip on your chip and now you done fucked up and i need my stuff or i'm coming to get you and i'm gonna find you and i'm gonna light you up so now carly is enemy number one for so many different people and she don't know what to do we don't know how old she is i'm assuming she's like 19 20 they keep calling her a kid which she's the type of like face body type like racial makeup that they could look really any age <laughs> she comes up with the plan that they're going to separate everybody that's working together and she says she's gonna kill captain america girl but at this point Bootleg Steve is Captain America. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> I'm not going to completely stop you, but it can't go down like that. So once again, everybody is back at Zemo's crib. He's on the couch <laughs> with, I can only imagine the headache he has from getting knocked upside the head with the shield. But <laughs> in this situation... It's Zemo and Sam, they're talking. And Zemo asked Sam if he was offered the serum, would he take it? And Sam immediately, without hesitation, says no. And with all the talk about serum and supremacy and super soldiers and things, and with everything Sam has seen, him and his refusal to take the serum really amplifies the conversation that we're having here. And what Zemo is saying is that the creation and perpetuation of the serum is supremacy. People with supremacist ideals are going to be more inclined to take advantage of that power to get what they want. And we see Sam refuse it because he's the hero that we've been waiting for. Maybe not the one that we deserve, but the one that we need and that everybody needs. And again, Zemo is saying that Carly and them and the Flag Smashers are beyond repair, reform, and that they want to become gods, just like every other villain who has been chasing the serum wants to do. And he's saying that super soldiers can't be allowed to exist. And Sam is like, isn't that how gods talk? Debating on who deserves to be alive, who deserves to have 
the ability to succeed and control over others. And Zemo's like, you got me there? You did. And Sam is saying blood isn't always the solution. Which again, this is my Captain America. That's what Steve would do. Let me not go off <laughs> at this point in time. But Bucky enters and he's like, there's something's not right about, oh, what is his name? Uh, Walker. <laughs> I've been calling him bootleg Steve so long. I forgot his real name. He's like, something's not right about him. And they're both like, no shit. Bucky goes, you shouldn't have given him the shield. Steve definitely didn't. Which is like, ooh, sick burn, bro. So even though at the beginning of episode one or two where they had their therapy session, Bucky is still not understanding why Sam gave up the shield. And this is still a point of contention for him, even though they've agreed to fight this fight for this long. He still heard about it that he gave up his besties stuff to the government. And not that he's bitter that Steve didn't give it to him, but he's not understanding the weight, literally and figuratively, that carrying the shield has on Sam as a black man in America. So before they get to fighting more about that, Bootleg Steve once again kicking in shit like he owns it, like he pays bills, like people like him around here. And he's like, all right, it's time to go. So he's trying to take Zemo and to do something. I guess so he can win somewhere because Zemo's still a criminal. And he's like, how do you get out of prison? And Bucky's like, he technically broke himself out, <laughs> which is really funny. The door Milaje said, not on my watch, bitch. And a spear comes flying through the door as it should. Just pure vibranium, black girl magic and real shit. And the door Milajar said, it's time's up. We gave you eight hours. Now, we coming to collect. And Bucky's like, damn, I did tell y'all this. <laughs> and Bucky's face, he's like, man, he looked like a kid who just got caught doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. And because <laughs> he knows that the door Milaje don't play. So I was like, bring him here. Bring that ass here. Where is Zemo at? Time to go. And... <laughs> This is, again, where Bootleg Steve starts doing stuff like he like he has some agency around here. And he's like, we can talk about this. And this is the moment he knew he fucked up. When he put his hand on Io's shoulder and she immediately just like throws him across the room. Spears are flying everywhere. Shit is popping off because you touch one of the Dormelage, you touch all of them. So the Dormelage, they start fucking Bootleg Steve up bro that little shield ain't doing nothing because guess what we created that shit too it's all vibranium around this bitch and we got all of it <laughs> so bootleg steve is getting fucked up everybody's on the side watching world star bucky is being petty <laughs> and <laughs> they all start to jump in eventually because Sam is like, you gonna do something about this? Because they need Zemo, obviously, and the Dormelage want Zemo, which is rightful because, you know, he killed their king and everything. And they start to fight because the Dormelage, they are going to follow orders to the end. So everybody can get the smoke. Everybody's getting fucked up. <laughs> and <laughs> during this commotion, Zemo slips into the bathroom and he locks the doors. He's out of here. Everybody's fighting kung fu, fighting, flipping. 
and one of the Dormilaje, they stab, they throw the spear, it like stabs through the shield, and Boo Lake Steve's like, uh, and she rips it away from him, or like he falls to the ground, and she just flips it up like it's nothing. And, and what, what are you gonna do about it? Hmm? Nothing, exactly. But shortly before this happens, we see Io and Bucky going face to face, because he's like, Let, let's talk about this. And she does this finger move, and Bucky's arm, his metal arm that was created by the Wakandans, falls off. There is like this fail-safe, like deactivation technology, and Bucky's face, him not knowing that they could do that, is like, what? And she says something in Wakandan, and his name is basically like, and you better not try me again, ho. Bet you won't. I'll tell you one thing that you're not going to do is fight me. <laughs> and Bucky looks like a hurt puppy that just got kicked and is out in the rain, which is understandable given all that they've been through. But also, it, the things have to come with conditions. You can't just get access to the best technology in the entire universe. Well, maybe not universe. In the world and not expect them to know more about it and have other things that protect them that you don't know about. I feel like that's a realistic thing. But that's a whole other conversation about his arm coming off and there's been a whole discourse about they don't trust him. Oh my gosh, the Dormelage betrayed Bucky because they thought that he couldn't control the arm. But no, girl, it's really not personal. They just put like however many billions of dollars of ideas and technology and infrastructure like into this man of course they're going to protect their investment and it's not just for them it's going to be for the better of him too because they genuinely care about him as a person and obviously before this point his arm hadn't de deactivated at any other time and it's not that they know he's not a threat. Io knows that he's not a threat, that he would not purposely hurt her. But if there's anything you know about the Dormelage, is that they're going to fight their mission. They're going to get done what needs to be done for their country. So if that means taking off this little white man's arm for the time being, that's just going to be what it is. It's not personal. It's drag. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. It's not personal. It's, it's what they're trained to do. But anyway, because we have to go back to Bootleg Steve, he's on the ground shook after the door Melage leave because Zemo's gone. And they just throw the shield on the ground like it's nothing at his feet. And his little friend's like, you okay? And he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. Like, yeah, yeah, you got messed up by two black women. And yeah, they didn't need the little serum. Nope, just, just training and black girl magic and excellence. That's it. So just bask in your mediocrity. How about that? Sit with that at night. Hmm? <laughs> you don't have the range. So Zemo has pulled an El Chapo. He exited stage left at the bottom of the bathtub. He's nowhere to be found. We leave Sam and Bucky and we're with Bootleg Steve and Lamar at this train station. And they're having a parallel of the same conversation that Zemo and Sam had talking about taking the serum. And Bootleg Steve gets asked for an autograph, etc., etc. And Lamar says, or Bootleg Steve asks Lamar if he would take it. And Lamar says, yeah, absolutely. Because power just makes someone 
more of themselves. It doesn't change you. Like Bootleg Steve is asking, aren't you scared of what you would turn into or whatever? And Lamar says, yeah, power just makes someone more of themselves. And he's saying, Steve Rogers, Captain America, something, something, something. And this point is like so obvious to the viewer because we know that Bootleg Steve has the serum with him and he's obviously thinking about taking it and he just got fucked up by not regular people but like non-super people who he supposedly thought that he was supposed to be more superior than so he's feeling insecure he's feeling down but we also know that he doesn't have the same pure motivations as Steve or Sam does so whatever's inside of him his little phony self is going to be amplified with the serum the evil within him is going to jump out even further that he has superhuman powers. And Lamar, he's gassing him up as you do with your best friend. He's like, you're Captain America. You are a meddled soldier or whatever. And he says, you consistently make the right choices in the heat of the battle. He literally fucked up the mission like 30 minutes ago. What? He he burst in the scene right as Sam was about to have a breakthrough. Like, he clearly does not do what the assignment says. He, he literally messed up the entire thing, the lead that they had. And this is the biggest piece of foreshadowing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my gosh. Lamar says this because they were on tour together. And they've been through this, I guess, crazy, traumatizing, dramatic stuff that they had to do to earn medals of honor. And Bootleg Steve is saying, yeah, three badges of honor to make me forget about the worst day of my life or whatnot. And we don't know what they've done. I'm assuming killing people, killing brown innocent people as the U.S. military does. That trauma is just going to be times a thousand if he takes the serum. So speaking of the serum amplifying evil (laughs) intentions, we have this scene where Carly is on the phone and she calls Sarah, not just any Becky Sarah off the street, Sam's sister, Sarah, which the gall, the audacity, the nerve and the gumption of this little girl trying to get at them using innocent people and innocent black women at that. How dare she? I don't know. Carly, she got a little bit of melanin. That curl pattern is telling me something. Sis, I saw a little twist you had in the beginning of the episode, so don't act like... (laughs) No, let me stop. Um, Yeah, but Carly, she picks up the phone and Sarah's like, hello? And why did I say it like that? (laughs) She's like, who is this? And they have this conversation and Carly's like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out if I should kill your brother. Huh? Girl. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, bitch... Try it, try it, try it one, try it one time. See what's gonna happen. But Carly tells Sarah that Sam is working for Captain America, and this is this whole conversation is part of her earlier plot to split everybody up. Right? She's taking a page out of Zemo's book, kind of sort of by causing turmoil within the group. But she's dividing and conquering everybody. So she's saying that Sam is working for Captain America, who's working for the government, who's making everything worse. So if you don't want me to kill your brother who is directly going against my cause, you're going to do what I say and have him show up at this place at this time. But Sarah's like, I know for a fact that my brother's not working for that evil white man. She didn't say that. 
but she said it. And she is saying that, you know, my world, being a black woman, single mother, business owner, as we've seen before, and her struggles that we learn about from the beginning of the series, she's saying my world doesn't matter to America. So why should I care about who's carrying the shield? Why should I care about America's mascot, aka Bootleg Steve? And that's how she knows that Sam would not work for Cap given all that she knows about her brother and what he's been through and what he represents. And she knows why he gave up the shield and came home because of the weight of a black man representing a country that has never cared anything about him. Carly is basically like, I know she was feeling type of way about this. I know it. But she's like, I'm gonna give you coordinates to meet Sam. And she's like, or we can meet out back by the dock. And with AJ and Cass and them. And we're like, somehow she knows where she lives. And she, that's a threat. And given this show and anything that can happen, I could not take it if anything happened to Sarah. I just, I would have to boycott. We would simply have to cancel the show. So after Carly and Sarah hang up the phone, Sarah calls Sam and she's like, shook as anybody would be if an international terrorist called threatening to come to your home and hurt your children so she has the coordinates that carly gave her and she gives them to sam and sam is like you know i wouldn't let anything happen to you or the boys period and they're gonna meet up and sam tells bucky this and bucky's like i'm coming with you period bestie i told you bucky he's a ride or die he jumped out of a plane with no parachute just a vibranium arm for that man. You cannot tell me that they're not best friends. You can't tell me that. Maybe they don't realize it, but we know. So in my notes, I try to keep the episode by scenes. At this point, I think I got to like 11 or 12 and, <laughs> and it all started blending together. So <laughs> this is just basically from the phone call onward. They meet up at the spot. They're about to fight after school, 3 p.m. by the flagpole, bring some Vaseline and some hair ties because we're about to get a cracking. And, <laughs> well, before that happens, Carly just wants to talk, allegedly. So she asks Sam to join her because from their chat before Bootleg Steve came and fucked up the thing, she's like, we're basically on the same team. So you might as well join me or let me go so I can do what needs to be done. And meanwhile, Sharon back in Madripoor with her little iPad, is tracking bootleg Steve and them. And she sees them moving in this other warehouse because they're kind of rogue. So at this point, we have to get ahead of them because we don't know what they're doing and if that's going to mess up the plan. Before this, Carly is saying, I don't want to kill you because if I killed you, it would be meaningless. And here we have her trying to like rationalize about who she's murdering, but I, it's not... It's not clicking because you're still killing people in the name. You're making people martyrs that did not choose to die for your cause. And I think that's not that's not how that works. Like, you have to be the one to sacrifice yourself. Girl, I don't know. But everybody runs because Bootleg Steve is somewhere else. And there's fighting in the meanwhile. But <laughs> Sam was like, I'll send you the Addy. Just keep going. And they're fighting off people. So we see once we get to this other warehouse place that Lamar was captured by the Flag Smashers. They're beating him up, knock him out. 
Bootleg Steve is coming in to save his bestie. And Bootleg Steve is going to ride for his man. I'm going to give him that. That I will. I'm not going to parallel that it's the same level as Steve literally creating a civil war to go to bat for Bucky. I'm not going to give him all that. But I will say that he goes hard for his man. And I have to respect that. So Bootleg Steve is trying to save Lamar from the Flag Smashers. Again, everybody's kung fu fighting. Bucky comes in. He kicks a dude through the door. <laughs> he tells him to stay there, which obviously he's like not conscious. So that was funny. Everybody's fighting. We're in this room. I don't know, girl, some abandoned building. And there's knives. Everybody's kicking. Everybody's flying. The flag smashers are doing their thing. Everybody's getting fucked up. These fight scenes, they're coming for blood. <laughs> Everybody is just off the wall, knocking and bucking and ready to fight. As we saw in episode three, the energy is still there. And the fighting comes to a halt when Carly superhuman kicks Lamar in the chest. He flies across the room and has the hardest impact I've seen <laughs> against this pillar his net he like I think I'm getting ahead of myself but basically he hits this pillar and he hits the ground and that's as lights out for him I think the force from the kick killed him and then him hitting the pillar was just like extra but his like neck snaps snaps forward kind of and like he he he's out of it and everybody's like oh oh shit like when you play fighting and you, and you take it too far you actually hurt somebody but I mean they were hurting each other you know what I mean and Carly's like ooh everybody else is like ooh and they the flag smashers run away and Boo Lake Steve is like Lamar Lamar and he realizes he's gone and Steve and Bucky look at each other like uh oh and I think here is where Carly is realizing firsthand what she's doing cause she literally murdered somebody in cold blood directly not just from the bombing like she was doing and she was saying earlier about how I don't want to kill people who it wouldn't mean anything but this is what Sam is saying if you're killing people to try and get to your ends and make the world quote-unquote better it's not you're just you're still killing people you're still being just as bad as the people that you're trying to fight and we see that the way her face drops and she sort of pauses before they all start running but this is where the beginning of the end for Bootleg Steve, <laughs> it, 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 it pops off. So he's chasing after them. And the one guy who we see Carly talking to in the cemetery in a prior scene is the unlucky one that Bootleg Steve just so happened to catch up with. And that didn't have a mask on? Girl, I don't know. So he throws a trash can and Steve, Steve. Bootleg Steve, sorry, I forgot who I was talking about. Bootleg Steve like hits him with the shield and he corners the guy. He throws the shield at him and he like trips and falls and he does it again. And the guy is like, I didn't do it. Or no, Steve is like, where, where is she? Talking about Carly. And then he starts to hit the guy and he's like, I didn't do it. So Bootleg Steve is looking for Carly. I, I assume in the battle, like nobody saw directly who, who killed him. But I think when everybody paused, like everybody else knew Carly did it, but maybe not Bootleg Steve because he was holding Lamar's lifeless body. I don't know, girl, but he, I was not ready for this. 
Bootleg Steve takes the shield and is just brutally butchering this man in broad daylight. I don't know if he like hit the neck or the chest or like decap like I think if he decapitated him that would be a little much. But we don't see exactly what happens, just the guy's bloodied hand fall lifeless on the steps. And as Bootleg Steve is killing this man in broad daylight in this plaza, all of these people are recording him and forming this circle and he doesn't stop and he doesn't realize and Steve Steve why do I keep talking about Steve Booth like Steve while he's murdering someone Bucky and Sam run up and see the crowd and look around and look at each other like uh oh this is bad Captain America is murdering a man with the shield in broad daylight and it's being recorded and being posted on the internet and the final scene, Bootleg Steve looks up and he looks around at all of the people recording him. And he picks up the shield, which is just caked with this man's blood. And the episode ends. Girl, what? What? How dare you leave us like this? Oh, wow. Wow. I, <laughs> this episode <laughs> was a whirlwind so much happened and yet not enough give us the resolution what how do you where do we go from here captain america literally just murdered somebody somebody not completely innocent but innocent from killing lamar which i guess is speaking to what america does and sort of what the flag smashers are fighting against but it's like damn he really went X Games mode with no no remorse, no second thought. And it's just so ironic how Lamar was saying you cons- you consistently make the right choices in the heat of battle. He made the wrong choice again at the worst possible moment in time. <laughs> Girl, child, where where do we go from here? Sam and Bucky are like what the hell do we do now? Like, there's no way that we can keep going on this mission because there's there's cracks in the foundation. The foundation is gone. Water is in the basement. There is no... The embarrassment of Captain freaking America murdering someone with the shield in the name... Child is not unlike... What America has trained him to do as a soldier, which we see him talking about in episode five, but that's for another episode for another day. It's been a wild ride in episode four, man. So as we leave off, Zemo is a wall. He's in the sewer somewhere with the mutant Ninja Turtles. Carly and them ran off. Their homie is dead. Lamar is dead. Bootleg Steve's best friend is gone. Bootleg Steve murdered somebody in broad daylight. Bucky and Sam have no more leads because Carly is gone. Zemo's gone. So where where do we go from here? What do we do now? And that's what Marvel does to us. And that's the evilness of these being weekly episodes because we have to wait seven whole days to learn what happens next to our favorite characters. I just... I just want to say, like, (laughs) I don't know what I want to say. (laughs) I really don't. Other than I love this show. And give Sam the shield. Give it up. Pack it up. 
obviously homeboy has some things to work out. He needs therapy like Bucky. Don't we all? Hello? We, I'm gonna, I know what happens. I've seen the whole series at this point, but just reliving this and rewatching the episode to talk about it, I need to take a breather because it's a lot. It's a lot, girl, especially knowing what happens next. I'm gonna go and reflect. <laughs> I'm gonna go and read some things. But in the meantime, thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Pages from a Notebook, a true to life podcast, the stand account reviewing, recapping, raving about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode four, titled The World is Watching You. And girl, they was watching. They was watching. He didn't <laughs> at the worst possible time. Oh wow. <laughs> but Again, thank you for joining me this week, and I hope to see you again in my recap, review, and rave about episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I hope to have you listening again soon. Bye, girl. Pages from My Notebook, a true-to-life podcast, is a passion project by yours truly, Erica Barnes. Read episode descriptions and more at pagesfrommynotebookpod.com. Follow the pod on Instagram at pagesfrommynotebookpod.com and like the pod on Facebook at facebook.com slash pages from my notebook pod. You can support the pod monthly via anchor at anchor.fm slash Erica dash Barnes slash support. I hope to have you listening again soon.